Hello, welcome to the podcast. The podcast that some people consider to be the sound of the start of your weekend. You may not, or you may. Either way, good to have you. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. It's sponsored by Betfair. And it's me, Ali Maxwell, and my friend and colleague, George Ellick, making betting picks ahead of the EFL and FA Cup weekend. Therefore, because this podcast discusses gambling, it is very strictly for over-18s only. Please make sure that you are gamble-aware. Uh, if you're thinking of placing a bet this weekend or any time, make sure that you are aware of the risks that come with gambling. Uh, we recommend a strict staking plan, and we ask that you never bet more than you can afford to lose, uh, that you never chase your losses. BeGambleAware.org for more information. George, how are you, my friend? All good. Thank you, mate. Yes. How are you? I'm really well. I'm really well. And I'm slightly in awe of you, which I wouldn't ordinarily say. I don't like to uh, offer praise to you um, too often because I think you work better when you're motivated by fear. But nine naps in a row is good, isn't it? It's actually better than that. It's, it's insane. Thank you. Yeah, pretty weird. Don't really know what's happening. It's quite fun. Hopefully I can keep it going. Uh, winners at 2 .1, 2.1, 2.45, 2.25, 2.0, 1.91, 2.2, 2.1, 2.2, 2 .2, and 1.95 over the last nine weeks. Uh, I make that an 895 to one shot, the ninefold. <laughs> so well done. Elsewhere last week, my Bolton nap went the same way as most of my others recently. A 3-1 defeat to Oxford, whose goals came from a right back playing right wing, a centre back playing left back, and a left back playing right back. Absolute class. Wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, what else are Ipswich double next best? 2-0 up, 2-2. 4-2 up in the 96th. 4 all. Goals bets were good. Yours was an overs winner. Uh, even money at Norwich against Stoke. Mine was a 3.9 double winner, which was very pleasing. Yes. Coventry and Mansfield games overs. The Mansfield game, 5-2 in the end. Uh, the lays were bad and the goal scorer as well. Obafemi didn't score for me at Bristol City and Keenan Davis was out injured. So your goals pick was void. So overall, bit of profit for you. Bit of loss for me. As predictable as the tides coming in and going out, as the sun setting. And we look forward to this weekend. It's a championship full slate mixed with the FA Cup first round. All 48 teams from League One, League Two involved and many others from the tiers beneath that. Uh, George, punting wise, do you like the FA Cup first round or are you somewhat fearful of it? I wouldn't say I love it. I think that in my mind, the best time for the FA Cup betting comes when we have it's kind of mainly EFL focused but that's only because of my own skill set I am not going to pretend to be someone who knows a great deal about the National League and non-league I similarly think you can tie yourself up in knots when you're trying to predict the motivation for League One and League Two clubs you know you're basically betting on guesses so I've gone full championship and I'm aware that you have gone a quite heavy FA Cup so I'll bow to your superior knowledge. Yeah, I am leaning into it. The first reason is we do 40 of these shows and uh, sometimes given the structure that we have imposed on ourselves, sometimes it can feel a little bit samey and particularly when you're not doing that well in your picks and a slight change of scenery, very welcome. I'm happy to shelve the Championship League One and League Two for a week, although I do have one Championship-related pick. But also my favourite part of, of this betting show 
personally. And the reason why I love betting on the EFL basically comes back to research. Ultimately, that's what I really love doing. That's what I find interesting and fun. Uh, it's a reason why what we do never feels like work. It's it's something that I enjoy doing. So first round weekend of the FA Cup just gave me a bit of chance to do a different type of research. So a bit of something for everyone, basically, is what we're saying here. Why don't you start with a nap in the championship? My nap, trying to make it, what, 10? The decima, it would be, <laughs> I, I suppose. The awkward thing is, is that I've got here knowing that it's between one of two and I am yet to really make up my mind. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for... Gosh, this is a huge moment. My nap is going to be Norwich away at Rotherham at 10 to 11 for a few reasons. I mean, th- th- I think the narrative around Norwich is, is very, very negative at the moment. I, I know that uh, Norwich fans certainly wouldn't be backing their team at 10 to 11 to be anybody at this current stage. Um, the feeling at the club is, is very poor. The feeling is that Dean Smith isn't getting the best out of his players. And, and I understand that entirely and I completely get it. Um, but those who have been listening to the pod for the last few weeks will know that I am pretty keen to get against Rotherham fairly aggressively. Now, they, they nearly made me look foolish on um, Wednesday night when I had a massive go at them on the Monday pod about their away form. I, I said that I thought Burnley were you know, champions elect, basically. Uh, and with 90 minutes on the clock, Rotherham were beating them on their own patch 2-1. The next 10 minutes was... Mad, uh, you know, Rotherham were down to 10 men. Manuel Benson came off the bench to score another incredible goal. He's very quickly making me look pretty foolish by, by doubting his ability. He looks like an absolute wizard. <laughs> and then thanks to a questionable looking throw-in decision and some very, very poor goalkeeping, Burnley were able to score a goal in the 100th minute to win the game 3-2. Now, obviously, the way that this game progressed makes it look as if it is a skin of the teeth victory for Burnley over you know over a, a, a poor Rotherham side and Rotherham's away form has been very bad. However, you know, I've been looking at the stuff this morning, looking at the, the very good Twitter account XG data. You know, they posted their, their XG map this morning and it was 2.5, 0.5 in Burnley's favour. Um, again, it was a game where Burnley had all the chances to win the game. And I um, saw it was 3.0, um, 0.5. And even though the winning goal was a high XG chance. Even before that, they were 2.5, 0.5 clear. It was a case of, of Rotherham scoring two um, of their rare forays forward and, and Burnley squandering many opportunities before they actually went ahead. It's a classic case of you know the scoreline dictating the narrative around the game. I've seen a lot of Burnley fans saying that it was their poorest performance of the season so far. I think when you can see two soft goals, that's going to play into it. But basically on the balance of play, it was one of those where you know, if, if Rotherham were going to get anything from a, a trip to Burnley, especially given the clash of styles, it was likely going to have to be a bit of a smash and grab. And, and they nearly pulled it off in fairness to them. But there was nothing in the game to me to suggest that Rotherham are, are much better defensively than I gave them um, a bit of a bashing for. I think Norwich themselves certainly have some offensive issues and their away form isn't great. You know, it's worth pointing that out. They've only won three games on the road this season. Those were a 1-0 win, a 2-1 win and a 1-0 win against Blackpool, Sunderland and Birmingham, um, and they have lost to two teams in the kind of bottom six or seven this season in Cardiff and uh, and Hull. But both those games are in July and August. I think they've kind of left that behind. And I think ideally, and especially because of um, the issues they've got in terms of the fan base at the moment, not necessarily being on side. I know that the atmosphere wasn't great in the 0-0 draw against QPR on Wednesday night um, in a game where, again, they created 1.7 XG and didn't score. Um I think they're still okay. You know, I think Tamir Puki showed his class with a couple of very good assists for, for Ramsey last weekend. Ramsey's, 
you know, it was his first and his second goal came along very quickly, but he's one of the big outliers in the championship so far this season in terms of shots taken and XG total without scoring. Um, he's playing in a number 10 role that I think should be very good. Todd Cantwell, I've seen a lot of people saying is returning to his better form. Um, yeah, I think at 10 to 11, this is a case where despite the negativity surrounding Norwich, I think they are still one of the best four or five teams in this league fairly comfortably. And, um, you know, they should, if they put in their normal level of performance, uh, come away from this one with a win. Uh, and I, you know, I always think the good thing about getting against Rotherham at the moment is that you can be, even though the home form, that, well, the results at home are very good. I think you can be fairly confident here that even if this bet gets beat, um, it won't be because Nor- Norwich haven't had the better of the chances. And that's what you've got to go by. So 10 to 11 Norwich to beat Rotherham away is my, is my nap. My nap is Newport County. And I have to be honest. Cochran, exactly. It's funny that you say that because I, I scrolled back down on Newport County's Twitter account to find the tweet where they told us how to pronounce it. And it is just C-O-C-L-U-N. Cochran. And we'll never get that wrong now. I think you've got to add a K in there, isn't it? Otherwise, that's a soft C. Coslun. <laughs> yeah. Cochlin. It's just Cochlin. Cochlin. Yeah. Well, I need to explain something first and foremost. The current the current price is... It's the first time this has happened for ages. Uh, I sat down yesterday to take my first look at this and flagged up Newport at 2.05, 21 to 20. I then sat down just before midday today and they were 1.95 and I was like well that's a shame but I'll stick with it because I really do like it uh, they've now in the last hour or two come into 1.83 uh, which is not ideal I I have to be honest and say because I do quite a lot of research in this show uh, if two minutes before we start recording I realize that the price has come in a bit I don't have huge recourse to just change my nap on a whim so uh, I do very much like Newport to beat Colchester at home this weekend um now, I said I like doing FA Cup specific research. This didn't take much of that because it's two League Two teams playing against each other. Uh, and it's really positive vibes coming out of Newport County since Graham Cochran took charge. The first three games have shown some really encouraging signs. In their first game under Cochran, they beat their opposition, Colchester United, 1-0 at Rodney Parade. Uh, and they weren't exactly purring there, but it was a deserved victory and immediately some really improved parts of their performance. And that wasn't the one that I was most excited about, but it's actually the next two, a a nil all at Mansfield where they played really well at nil, nil um, an even game against a very good side. And then once Mansfield had a man sent off after an hour, Newport basically battered them for the last half an hour after the red card and couldn't get the goal. So it wasn't a case of Newport's, you know, struggling to struggling against 10 men. It was purely a case that they couldn't quite finish, but they were the better side there. And then last weekend, a one all draw away at Northampton where they were again, excellent first half with and without the ball went one nil up. Uh, and that's how it stayed until Hoskins scored late, late on. So, um, you know, in one of the games they drew because they didn't finish their chances. In the other game, they drew because they conceded a very, very late goal. I still think overall, these are good results on paper and very encouraging performances. Uh, that's a, a home win against relegation fodder and two draws away at two promotion contenders. So uh, certainly also not a case of, of Coglin just coming in and getting them to dig in and show grit and hope for the best. There's been some good enterprising attacking play. You cannot say the same for Colchester United who travelled to Rodney Parade. They are bottom of League Two. Their record away from home in away league games this season is eight games, zero wins, one draw and seven defeats, one point from eight games. Matt Bloomfield is their manager. He's had a month in charge and doesn't 
come out that well if you compare his initial performances as Colchester manager and the results against Cochlands because both teams are in pretty poor shape. Colchester arguably slightly worse, but they haven't seen anything apart from a very small initial bounce. Um, if you take the results, I won't count the defeat at Wimbledon as he was only appointed that afternoon, but the 2-1 win at home to Harrogate seemed like a, a bright start under, uh, under Bloomfield. It was a nice performance. It was a nice win, a good little bump. And then you ask, well, will the performances hold? Uh, and they haven't. They went away to Swindon, lost 1-0, offered very little. They went away to Newport, lost 1-0, offered very little. They drew it home to Crawley, 2 all, fine, uh, not great, not bad, just two poor teams, I think. And then maybe the best result of all on paper, a one all draw at home to Stevenage, where they scored early with their first shot on the sixth minute uh, and then faced wave after wave of attack after that. Uh, and it was a one all draw in the end. Then on Tuesday night, Colu went to Barrow, all the way to Barrow and lost 3-1. Their goal was a consolation right at the end, conceded three disgusting goals from corners, uh, not the sign of a well-functioning organised team. Um, so that plays a part here as well. They've had to travel from Barrow back to Colchester, now to Newport. Newport have had, uh, well, they've been sitting with their feet up, sipping hot chocolate and, and preparing for this game. Um, Colu, away from home in League Two, averaged 5.8 shots total. That's the lowest in the EFL for away shots per game. Uh, in five of eight away games, they've had just one or zero shots on target. So I don't see a sensational Colchester display. I don't know where that would come from. I don't see much evidence that Matt Bloomfield has found substantial improvement here. Uh, and frankly, he's about the fifth manager in a row to find the same thing, which is that this Colchester squad and the club itself are very hard to rouse at the moment. So uh, Newport to win here uh, at home with the Betfair Sportsbook currently 1.83. What's your next best? My next best is Swansea. So this is the one that could could have been the nap. I was trying, mm. trying to choose between uh, 20 to 23 they are. At home to Wigan, Swansea come here off the back of two, well, two pretty disappointing games on the road um, where um, they got a point at Bristol City and then were beaten in midweek. Um, but their home form is is much, much better. They're a side who seem to thrive uh, at home and I'm not particularly bothered about the um, the issues that they've had Um in the last week or so, they've only lost three games at home this season. Those came against sides currently occupying second and third place. Um, and Luton, uh, and the, the last of those was back in the beginning of September. Their form since then has been very, very good. Um, you know, they've seen off very comfortably Reading, Sunderland, Cardiff, Hull, uh, and then of course um, QPR earlier in the campaign as well. So they're a team who are better at home. Um, I think because they come into this off the back of a point in their last two games, they're a bigger price than they should be. And I think Wigan are a side that I'm pretty keen to to kind of get against for the time being. Now, Wigan's away form is much better than their home form. Um, they've you know four of their five wins this season have come on the road. But again, they've all come earlier in the campaign. Um, their recent away form: losing two one at QPR, losing two one at Hull, losing two one at Sunderland. Maybe I should be tipping up two one to Swansea here. Um, shows a bit of a regression. Now, I've been pretty surprised. Well, especially last night. Um, on Wednesday night where they were beaten by Stoke at home to see the reaction from fans where you know, obviously social media, Twitter specifically is a bit of a cesspit when it comes to um, fan reactions off the back of defeats, especially at home. But there seemed to be big unrest as to the decision to hand Liam Richardson a, a three-year deal, um, some wanting him seemingly sacked. Now that is pretty jarring. Um, from my point of view, having seen the job that he did over two seasons in League One, uh, initially taking a side who 
you know, the, whose very existence was being called into question and keeping them up um, in League One and then taking a side that was a pretty poor team in League One and winning promotion, um, you know, winning the league in, um, in, in League One after that and in the first season afterwards. To see uh, the finger being pointed at him for some of the issues they've had, I don't really understand. It seems pretty clear to me that there has been a, a significant lack of investment into the, the playing side of the, of the team over the summer. I don't really see why Richardson is the person who um, should be for blame for this, but there's no denying that their form is pretty poor. They're not playing particularly well. Um, they are a fairly solid team defensively. Um, but I think Swansea, this is a great opportunity for them to, to get back to winning ways. Um, you know, they have had some issues uh, in terms of scoring goals at home this season, but I, I mean, I, I just don't think that's a, a massive concern um, given what we've seen recently. Although, you know, the, the 3-0 win over Cardiff was had a slightly noisy um, given the uh, red card early on in the game. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's still a team who are currently in seventh in the table. I anticipate that they will um, have the, the lion's share of chances here. They'll certainly have most of the ball. Um and they, it's a good time to play Wigan, who who seem pretty down on their on their luck at the moment. So yeah, Swansea at twenty to twenty three is my next best. My next best is Woking. Woking against Oxford United at the Kingfield Stadium on Sunday FA Cup first round fixture. Uh, I strongly want to get with Woking. I've landed on draw no bet at fourteen to five, three point eight with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, let's start w- with Oxford. Uh, obviously napped against them last week. They won, but in midweek they hosted Fleetwood Town. It was a home draw, a one-all draw. I would say an underwhelming performance, uh, a performance that was not horrendous by any means. And I gather you had some good spells and a few decent individual performances, but overall not a great team display. Um, certainly lacking some ideas. Um, we spoke on Wednesday morning about the frustration of just seeing an attack that was mainly based on long shots um, from a number of individuals who, you know, in in better spells in their career for better versions of Oxford United under Carl Robinson have not been resorting to long shots to try and score a goal, but have actually been part of quite a good attacking team. Um possibly lacking some energy as well, which I wouldn't be hugely surprised about given the schedule and the injuries mixed together. Oxford have played nine matches between the 1st of October and the 1st of November. Uh, They've won two of them against Exeter and against Bolton. um, And this is the 10th since the 1st of October. It's, It's a lot. And I think we're seeing across the leagues, particularly in the championship, teams are I think struggling with the schedule at the moment, the, the quality of play seems particularly low, uh, but after that Fleetwood display, you know, it was just one of those where after the Bolton win, I thought, you know, was I missing something obvious? Is there, is there a strong pulse here? I think the Fleetwood game showed that there is a pulse, but it's still a pretty weak one. Oxford have won six of 21 in all comps this season in 90 minutes. Uh, there's a, a seventh win, technically on penalties, which uh, for betting purposes does not count as a win. Uh, And I guess the main positive is that Matty Taylor will be back from his suspension for this game. And, you know, clearly someone of his experience in scoring goals is going to be a boost for Oxford, even if he hasn't. Bowden as well, I think. Yeah, even if he hasn't scored too many this season. As for Woking, the first thing is to say, obviously, that I'm not an expert on Woking. Uh, It was an initial glance at their league position after I first saw the price. Uh, I saw that results were very good. So then I dug a little bit deeper. I managed to ask someone who's got access to to good numbers for the National League underlying numbers. Um, And and guess what? Woking's really strong. 
In fact, only really Wrexham and Notts County come out better so far in the National League this season. Uh, then I wanted to add one more slightly more anecdotal layer, I guess. Thankfully, on the Entity 20 squad, we have Ryan Deeney, who's a National League expert, who described Darren Siles Woking as gritty, tenacious, physical, uh, a team who blocked the centre of the pitch and utilised wide areas well on the break. And again, that just ticked a box for me. I think if Woking can defend central areas well, force Oxford wide to cross balls in, that's a pretty good way of defending against Oxford. Uh, and if they can break well in wide areas, again, perfect. I've seen twice in the flesh this season against Lincoln and Peterborough, how Oxford can be exploited on the break with wingers, particularly speeding into space down the sides. Um, Ryan said their experience have good ball carriers and their forward players are full of energy. The problem that Woking have and the boost for you and, and Oxford United, George, is they have injuries. Luke Wilkinson, Gregor Cox, Kyron Lofthouse, former yellow, James Daly and Reese Brown all missed their game in midweek against uh, Yeovil. One or two of those will return. Um, but it's not positive team news. They do have a couple of um, short-term loanees, including Jamari Clark. Remember him from last year? Reading mm. striker. Joined working on loan last week, scored on his debut, and now he will come up against Oxford. They've been absolutely excellent, Ryan says, at home in the National League and competitive at worst across the campaign as a whole. So it's a team that I like the sound of a lot. They average two goals a game at home in the league. They've kept six clean sheets in nine, although the other three, they have conceded three each time to Wrexham, Knotts and Dorking. So uh, I, I think it could get away from working a little bit here if Oxford are in good shape. But it's exactly the sort of thing that I wanted to find to get on board with, well, basically to search for a, an upset, a cup upset. And, and Oxford, I think, despite beating me last weekend, are a decent option to slip on a banana skin. You know who plays up front and has a taste for cup glory? Podrag Amond <laughs> plays up front for Woking, scored in the last round. So we're all Woking, aren't we? Hey? No. <laughs> Draw no bet at 3.8, my next best. Uh, don't forget, with Betfair, it's Bet 10, get two. On the Betfair Sportsbook, if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. T's and C's in the description of this podcast. We move on to the exchange, George. Where are you going? I'm laying Blackburn at home to Huddersfield at 1.89. I'm annoyed with myself because I've been banging the whole Blackburn are going to come unstuck soon jump for so long. And then I desert them in midweek and they are, it's as convincing a 1-0 victory as you're going to see really. Coventry with a better side <clears throat> on Tuesday night throughout the whole game. Uh, they were fully deserving of going ahead. Uh, Blackburn had a few chances to stay on, but, but realistically no one could argue that it was a, a very much deserved three points for Coventry. Uh, and I think this could be the beginning of some difficult some difficulty for Blackburn maybe um, where um, they are going to have to improve in order to, um, yeah, to, to maintain the level of form that's gotten second in the table. And I think they play Huddersfield at an incredibly bad time. Um, he may have been mocked for his Dundee accent in quarters, but I think there are starting to be signs that Mark Fotheringham is, is, is doing some good work with Huddersfield. Now they had their best performance of the season um they're still in 24th but the the victory um back against Millwall um on Tuesday uh, so it was last weekend wasn't it where they you know, they won the game 1-0 but restricted Millwall to anything uh didn't have a shot until the 80th minute as I mentioned on Monday um had Huddersfield fans very encouraged and then they it looked to be one step forward and two steps back when they were beaten on Wednesday night by um Sunderland in a game they lost 2-0 um with Pritchard scoring a um, a light version of the Puskas Award uh, champions elect goal from Jack Clark, where Alex Pritchard scored a very, very nice passing move, uh, counter-attacking passing move. 
Um, and then the, the points were made safe by Ahmad uh, in, in injury time. But uh, another look at that game, I watched it back this morning. Huddersfield were missed so many chances. They were the better team up to 1-0. And then at 1-0, uh, they squandered plenty of chances to equalise. Now, I'm not saying Sunderland didn't deserve it. It was a good away performance. But this wasn't a case of just an isolated good performance from Huddersfield on the weekend and then regressing back to the mean in midweek. They were good again uh, in midweek. And, and I think that they will come to Blackburn in the knowledge that they put in two of their best performances of the season. And whilst they might come into the game in 24th position after West Brom won in midweek, uh, I'm starting to see, I think, that they have enough about them to possibly get themselves out of this. Um, you know, they're still favourites to finish bottom, they're favourites for relegation, but I, I'm just wondering if we're starting to see signs of life. So it kind of all meshes into quite a good position where um, Blackburn come here off the back of a, of a defeat where they were again disappointing um, in terms of the performance itself and then Huddersfield come in I think with a, having played better than the performance suggests. So anything odds on, I'd be happy to lay uh, Blackburn here um, at 1.89. I'm, I'm very happy to do so. Right. When I wake up this weekend, I will wish for three things. A Newport County win, a Woking win, and mm. Keith Curls Hartlepool to be in a sexy mood. And that's because I've laid their opponents, Solihull Moors, at 1.9 with the bet fair. Where are you going to be doing your your, your grafting? Oh, I'll be grafting anywhere I need to graft. <laughs> Absolutely anywhere. Um, so this is an interesting one. Solihull of the National League. Uh, odds on to beat Hartlepool of League Two. Uh, clearly, it's something that we've discussed quite a lot over the years. Uh, it's often said that the top of the National League, which is more or less where Solihull reside, albeit they're probably just a level below the, the two top teams in Wrexham and, and Notts County. Um and the bottom of the league of League Two, which is where Hartlepool currently are. You know, we've discussed that there's not probably a huge difference, a huge gap in quality between those teams. Um, and I'm not here to massively argue that point. I do just feel in this instance, it feels like it might be being slightly overplayed. Since Keith Curl's been brought in at Hartlepool, two wins, two draws, four defeats. So eight points in eight games. The results aren't incredible. From what I've seen and from a, a look at the underlying numbers compared to before, there's been improvement. They are a bit better. They're not suddenly a mid-table team necessarily, but they're they're grafting. I think that would be a fair the fair way of putting it. That that they're particularly after the come beh- come from behind win against Grimsby on Saturday. They're really pushing this feeling of fighting, battling, you know, being full of heart. Um, and I'm interested to see where that will take them. Keith Curl is in purportedly only as a kind of uh, long-term interim, which doesn't make any sense. But you know what I mean. Um, but I think the fans are buying into it. I think he's doing the job that, well, he's starting to do the job that he was asked to do. As for Solihull, clearly not an expert on them. Uh, the first thing I'd say about them is that they've had a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday schedule up until this point and playing again, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, Hartlepool have had a nice midweek off. Their Twitter account, Solihull, mentioned that it was 914 miles travelled in a week, which is I would say not ideal preparation for a team uh, in the league above you. I I know they're an impressive club uh, and have been performing really well to their budget, particularly um, towards the top of the National League in the last few years. Looks like they've got a few different goal threats in in Stuart Dallas, uh, not Stuart Dallas, (laughs) Andrew Dallas, uh, Reid and Kelly and Spira as well. I I think I've no doubt they'll 
they'll be at it in front of a big crowd. Um, and, and Ryan, the National League expert on the squad, said, you know, they do play on the front foot. They have a number of lively attackers. They're, they play intricate passes, get into the box, and they'll be dangerous opposition for Hartlepool. I, I just think at the price, it's worth taking them on. I think Solihull are likely good at, na- at National League level, but I don't think they're unbelievable. Um, they're not anywhere near a Wrexham or a Notts County. Uh, Hartlepool obviously aren't very good in League Two terms, but I think they're better than the league position su- uh, suggests. I don't think they're horrendous under Curl. I definitely don't think they're a pushover. So, uh, yeah, I'm keen to get against the team from the league below that are odds on. I'm happy to take that on. I've laid Solihull at 1.9. You got a goals pick? Of course you've got a goals pick. I do, pick, mate. We've well, never not had a goals pick. Why would I say that? It's quite fun, this, because we write a column for betting.betfair and normally we, we write it after we um, record the podcast. But this time, because we ha- are previewing the early kickoff on Saturday, I've already written it and I can use my pick oh. for this, which is exciting. You've been doing quite well on those column, picks as well. Yeah, like last Saturday I did it and I did Sheffield United draw no bet at West Brom, winner. Uh, the weekend before, I did uh, my club of Femi to score any time against uh, Cardiff at 3.6, winner. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth following, to be fair. So if you don't know about that, then do go and check them out. Although I am going to ruin, spoiler alert for this Saturday. So if you don't want to hear it and you want to read it, then go and check it out. But it's, um, it's under 0.5 goals in the first half between Sheffield United and Burnley. So nil-nil at halftime, effectively, but make sure you do the under 0.5 first half market because that's 15 to eight. And then weirdly the no, no, half time price is shorter. Um, so uh, yeah, the thinking here is that, I mean, for anecdotally, basically like to- thinking about the game, this is a game between first and third. Um, Burnley are favourites for the title. Uh, Sheffield United are second favourites and, and the two of them are favourites for promotion this season. Given that we're at the beginning of November, and given that um, Burnley currently have a, a five-point lead over second in Blackburn, and Sheffield United are off the back of two wins, which has kind of steadied their ship after six winless. You know, Paul Heckenbottom has said in the press today that it's just another three points. In my mind, it's not that. It's 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 making sure the other team don't win three points, basically. Not, not losing this game, in my mind, is so much more important for both teams than winning it, um, because you're not losing any, any, any distance on who's around you. You're not taking any risks. And I think that's often why, especially at this stage of the season, games between two decent sides is often very cagey. And that's not just in the championship, that's that's across leagues. I don't really see, unless there's an early goal, why this would develop into anything different, despite the fact that we know both teams have had a fair amount of late drama recently, especially Burnley, who have been, they've won their last four games, they've been behind in three of them and they've scored two goals in the last minute or in injury time uh, to win their games in those four, which isn't a particularly sustainable way to go about things. Um, but I do think here there is um, certainly merit in, in getting against the goals in the, in the first half for, you know, a few reasons. Um, firstly, if you're looking at both teams in terms of their halftime results so far this season, uh, they rank pretty high for draws. Um, it is uh, 10 of 19 of Burnley games have been a draw at halftime. Eight of 18 have been a draw in Sheffield United games at halftime. Only Preston with 14 and Rotherham with 11 have had more draws at halftime in their two games. And this, you know, when you're looking at clean sheets as well, these two teams rank amongst the highest in the whole league for first half clean sheets. Um, I think 72% of, of Sheffield United games, they've kept a first, first half clean sheet, which is the highest in the whole of the championship behind Preston, obviously, because they don't concede any goals. And, um, and it's 53% for, for Burnley. 
And that only goes up when you look at Sheffield United at home, 75%, and then uh, 55% or 56% for Burnley uh, goes up as well on the road. So it's basically born out of uh, two very good defensive records. I think with Burnley especially, we're seeing quite a, a deliberate um, style and system where they do look to keep it tight in the first half, often at the expense of actual creativity themselves. I just think everything looks to me like this is going to be one of those games where it's built up to be something very, very big and it could end up being so, but I don't expect either either team making many, um, taking many chances early on with a focus on keeping the other at bay. And I think the, the 15 to 8 under 0.5 first half goals is the way to go. And remember, George... Read the column if you disagree. And remember, everyone's very tired in the championship, aren't they? Yes. I'm tired. My goals pick gives me great energy because best thing about FA Cup first round weekend is seventh tier teams. I love them. You love them. We love them in the Mm. FA Cup first round and we see them every year, uh, a a, a smattering, a handful, sometimes upwards of a half dozen. Uh, And that's what we've got this year. Six seventh tier teams. Easy for you to say in the FA Cup first round. Now, I've, I've done my research. I've gone back probably six or seven seasons. And, and broadly, there are two things that happen to seventh tier teams in the FA Cup first round. They either fight gamely and lose 1-0, which happens quite a lot. Occasionally they win 1-0, but mostly they lose 1-0. But then when that doesn't happen, what happens quite a lot is that the game gets away from them. The gap in quality is, is too big and the games go goal crazy. So a bit of fag packet research, as they call it, um, over 3.5 goals has copped. That's over 3.5 goals has copped in 18 of 36 games. So one in two involving seventh tier teams in the FA Cup first round, probably going back to the start of 15, 16, I think, maybe 16, 17. Um, so we've got uh, South Shields, Forest Green. I'm leaving them alone because South Shields defensive record is great. That leaves Buxton against Merthyr Tidville, leaving that alone because I don't know either of those teams. I'm leaving alone Bracknell Ipswich because I don't really know what to expect there and, and they're so short Ipswich. Uh, and Cheltenham Alverchurch because uh, Cheltenham are just a bit weird. The two that I've honed in on here for my over 3.5 goals double is Charlton against Colville Town and Burton Albion against Needham Market. Uh, Charlton Colville, I- I'm pretty sure Charlton will rotate here, which may not be ideal, but get this. George, Colville Town, in their 12 league games this season, 52 goals total. That's 4.3 goals a game in league action. And I just really want to find out what happens when a team that have scored and conceded combined 4.3 goals a game in the seventh tier comes up against a third tier team. I'm looking forward to finding that out. And then Burton against Needham. This is partly down to what I spoke about on Monday. I think Dino Mamre is just going full like psychological, motivational vibes at the moment as Burton manager. They've got a really tough time in the league at the moment in terms of fixtures and their games have a lot of goals in them this season. They really go for it um, and they're not that secure defensively, but I think they they can, I, I would expect them to hurt a seventh tier team, that's for sure. Mamre is going big on, on the psychology side and I, and I reckon he'll want them to absolutely smash it. So both of those games are 2.3, with the Betfair Sportsbook to go over 3.5 goals. So the double is 5.29 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm putting three quarters of a point on the double at 5.29. I can't resist an over 4.5 goals double here either because if you make it specifically seventh tier teams playing League One teams, five of the last 11 games 
have gone over 4.5 goals. In fact, uh, some of them even more. We've had two 5-1 wins, one 5-0 win, one 6-0 win, uh, and a 3-2 as well. So a quarter point on the over 4.5 goals double, that's 16.81. So just a little less than 16 to 1. The games are Charlton against Colville and Burton against Needham. Bit of FA Cup first round fun there. Remember the Betfair Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. Uh, Betfair's popular bet builders. You can find them on the football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app. Um, You'll see them at the top. You can add the trending Football League Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. Uh, Finish us off, George, with a goal scorer, please. How many goals has Dwight Gale scored this season, Ali? I'm sitting there thinking one. Zero. No ah, goals. From 1,210 minutes. Uh, how many goals has Troy Deeney scored this season? Uh, one. Two <sighs> in 1,200 minutes. Not very good at this. You normally love it when I give you a quiz. Thing about Dwight Gale, George, is he guarantees you goals at this level. He does. How many goals has Lukas Jukovic scored this season? <sighs> Not another one. None. Correct. Zero. I mean, he's only played that 200 odd minutes, but he comes on in every game. How many goals has Scott Hogan scored this Scott, season? Scott the Hart. I think he has scored seven. Correct. Well done. You got the hardest one. Thank you. He scored seven goals in 1,563 minutes. Looking at the prices here, Dwight Gale, no goals so far. 15 to 8 to score any time. Troy Deeney, two goals so far. 21 to 10 to score any time. Lukas Jukovic, no goals this season. 13 to 5 to score any time. The man himself, Scott Hogan, <laughs> seven goals this season. He's 16 to 5. He's bigger than 130 to score any time in the game between Stoke wow. and, and Birmingham. Ali, how many goals has Aidan Flint scored this season? Flinty, uh, two. None. Oh. How many goals did Aidan Flint score last season? Six. How many goals did Scott Hogan score? Ten. Flint, seven to two. Flint is basically the same price to score any time in this game than Scott Hogan, who will be Birmingham's biggest goal threat. I'm still a massive fan of Birmingham at the moment. I think they're still being underrated. They, they drew in midweek uh, in a game of very few chances against Millwall. I think they will fancy their chances against Stoke, who edged out a very poor game against Wigan. Um, if it wasn't for Blackburn, Stoke would be my lay at even money this week. Um, yeah, I, I just think I don't really get it. You know, he scored double-figure goals last season for a Birmingham side who were not as good as this year. He's been their main goal threat this season so far. He's already on seven. He'll play through the middle. He'll, you know, he won't take penalties because Inestini's not on the pitch, but in open play, he will be their biggest goal threat. And I do not understand why he is my eighth favourite score anytime. There you go. I think we should do more quizzing on uh, on the pod. All right, give me one. Okay. Uh, what is my goal score pick? Probably like some woking centre-back to score anytime. Or, to, you know, that'd be kind of up your street, wouldn't it? A woke king. It's actually, it's actually a, a trick question because, and this is incredibly boring. No goal scorer. Yeah, well, it is and it isn't. So it it's it's meant to be no goal scorer in Reading against Preston, but no goal scorer is eleven to two, and the nil nil is thirteen to two. So fine. 
it, it's a bit of a roundabout way of getting there. But my goal scorer pick is that there will be no goals in Reading against Preston, nil-nil, uh, 13-2 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I, I just, you know, I normally love finding a goal scorer as well, but I'm finding team news quite tricky in the championship at the moment because the teams are in the middle of this crazy stretch of games. And in the FA Cup, even harder to predict uh, EFL team, team news. Uh, um, it's live on Sky on Friday night, Reading against Preston. First time you'll probably ever hear me say this publicly. I won't be watching. I won't be watching this game. I'm expecting it to be a tough watch. And I think I'll probably be watching the finale of The Watcher instead, ironically. A lot of the word watch there in the, in the, in the space of a few sentences. Um, I think that the Championship is desperate for its World Cup break to come around. Um, they've been really stretched with the schedule over the last few weeks, trying to get games in um, to cope with the the couple of weeks off I think that the quality is notably poor in the last few weeks and I think it's quite hard to measure but I think the players look pretty tired fatigue is impacting the quality of play that's something that I, I would feel more confident in in uh, in saying in midweek we had three nil nils uh, nine of the 12 games in the championship went under 2.5 goals uh, eight of the 12 went under 1.5 goals now the midweeks do seem to be a little more low scoring than weekends uh, i don't know why that would be if that's a, a truth rather than just a little trend but even so um these two teams reading and preston are in my eyes very unlikely to combine to make a free-flowing game with tons of shots and tons of chances and tons of spaces to move into to exploit i think both teams are pretty poor going forward but both are pretty decent defensively spoke about reading's defensive numbers in terms of the the paucity of of high quality chances they give to the opposition um reading's away games generally very low scoring uh, and i think if you just mix together some injuries to both sides uh this fatigue i think i've seen i'm predicting a, a tough watch and a nil nil draw that I mean, you could argue it wouldn't do much for either side, but I don't think either would, would see it as a disaster either. So the nil-nil, Reading-Preston, that's my proxy goalscorer pick this week at 13-2. to two. Uh, That's 7.5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. George, recap your selections. Give the people what they so want. so much to say about the FA Cup. Um, my nap is Swansea. No, it's not. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no. This is how it ends, isn't it? This is how the stream no, ends. Fine. My nap is Norwich at Rotherham. My, my next best is Swansea. Um, at home to Wigan. My lay is Blackburn at home to Huddersfield. Under 0.5 first half goals, Sheffield United against Burnley is my goals bet. Scott the Hitman Hogan is 130 to score any time. No, sorry, he's not. He's 16 to 5 to score any time, crucially. And that is my goals bet. My selections are Newport to beat Colchester at home, currently at 1.83 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm backed Woking draw no bet at home to Oxford at 3.8. I've laid Solihull Moors. <laughs> I've laid Solihull Moors on the Betfair Exchange at 1.9. Uh, my goals double is an over 3.5 goals double. Charlton against Colville Town and Burton against Needham. The price for both is 2.3. That spits out 5.29 the double with the Betfair Sportsbook, and that's got three quarters of my point uh, a quarter of a point on the over 4.5 goals double uh, for the same games is 16.81 reading preston nil nil 13 to 2 7.5 with the betfair sportsbook that's my goal selection i had a message recently because i stumbled on a fractional um odd telling me to move to decimals and i was like i will not do that ever this is how i bet this is i'm a traditionalist and I've just realised that sadly 16 to 5 is a bit shorter than 130. So it's been cut. Bit of a shame. But at least, um, you know, it was a mistake. 
Don't bother messaging me. I will always be a fractional man. George Alec is both fractional and odd, and he'll never change. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. We'll be back again on Monday. Looking forward to breaking down some low-quality championship games and some excitement and some banana skins being slipped all over in the FA Cup. Join us then on Monday. Thanks very much for listening. Go well. Have a good weekend.